Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Foo followers around the world. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the second episode in our fifth season of podcasts. Remember, there is only one way to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show, and that is to subscribe to our podcast. We are available on all the major podcast providers around the world. And if you do like the show, don't forget to tell your friends about it, share it online, leave us a little review or a star rating. That all helps too. Spread the word of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. You can, of course, always keep up to date with all the latest martial arts movie news, reviews and podcasts by visiting our website kungfumovieguide.com and by following us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you do want to get in touch over email, we do always love to hear from you, our Foo followers around the world. The email address, as always, is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, that's the plug over with. Let's get on with this episode of the show. It's episode 51, and it features my conversation with the Manila-based martial arts power couple, Sarah Chang and Vincent Soberano. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, 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 Foo followers around the world. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. We have a nice chat coming up with the martial artists Sarah Chang and Vincent Soberano. They act, they produce, they direct, they write, they choreograph, they do pretty much everything from their base there in Manila, the Philippines. And between them, they have an extraordinary breadth of experience, not just as martial artists, but also in front of and behind the cameras. And this was great to catch up with them and record this conversation over the internet with them based in uh, Manila in lockdown with uh, their newborn baby. Uh, I think you can actually hear the baby in the background of this uh, conversation and with me in my seclusion zone here in the UK. This conversation that you're about to hear was recorded towards the end of March 2020, so just over a month ago, which does seem strange already. It seems like the days are just absolutely flying by. I don't know about you guys listening to this, but uh, these are very strange times indeed. Anyway, it's a really fun chat and I do hope you enjoy listening to it. I will throw over to my conversation with Sarah and Vincent in a bit. But first of all, I just wanted to say that I hope you are still or doing okay and staying safe wherever you are right now listening to this. I can give you a little bit of an update on my isolation situation, uh, which is still 
interesting. I did actually have quite an interesting thing happen to me the other day, which I did want to share with you all. I took our dog out for a walk. It's great to be able to take the dog for a walk. I should add responsibly. Uh, we're still adhering, of course, to the pretty strict social distancing guidance that's going around uh, here in the UK, at least at the moment. And I noticed a little side street that I wouldn't normally go down and thought, okay, let's just pop down here. Why not? So I'm pootling along, walking along with the dog, investigating this street that I've never been down before. And lo and behold, there is a box just on the ground outside someone's place with the writing free DVDs written on the side of it. So Look, a box of DVDs to me is like catnip. My God, I would just jump in there and investigate. I think some of my happiest times are just rummaging around uh, secondhand DVD stores uh, trying to find a bargain. And there it was, a whole box of DVDs. So I sort of walk over, have a look around. And the first thing that caught my eye was a DVD that was on the top of the pile, which was the film Railroad Tigers, the Jackie Chan film from a couple of years ago, quite a recent Jackie Chan film. And that's not your average go-to Jackie Chan DVD title that you would expect to find in a box of free DVDs that you've just found on the street. So I thought that's a little bit interesting. Rummaged a little bit further and, oh my God, it was as if the Kung Fu gods had just placed this box in front of me for me to find. It was unbelievable. It was full of... Kung Fu movies, Chinese wuxia films, there were some ninja movies in there, Cine Asia titles in there, Premier Asia, there was even some Hong Kong Legends DVDs in there. So I did just want to thank whoever that was who left that free DVD box of foo outside on their doorstep. Thank you so much. I should let you know that those films have now found a new happy home amongst my own kung fu movie box so uh, whoever you are thank you so much for significantly improving my own lockdown situation uh, here so this period has also been quite fortuitous in many ways in motivating me to do quite a few updates to the website but also in terms of recording interviews for this podcast. So I do have a whole bunch of interviews now lined up, which I cannot wait to share with you all. We're still releasing these episodes every two weeks on a Monday, and I do hope that you're enjoying them and they are providing some much needed distraction, particularly during this uh, stressful time. I did get quite a lot of great feedback from you guys on the previous episode, which was my conversation with the director of The Raid, Gareth Evans. I did actually end up binge watching Gangs of London, which is now all available on Now TV here in the UK. They're showing the episodes on Sky Atlantic as well. Gangs of London is a nine-part crime series. It's Gareth's new show, and it focuses on the families of an organised crime syndicate in the city. And, oh boy, is it fabulous. I do heartily recommend checking out Gangs of London, if you can. We absolutely loved it, and it contains some of the most blistering action sequences, certainly, that I've ever seen 
in a British TV show. Uh, it really is quite spectacular. So, look, a huge congratulations to Gareth Evans uh, for Gangs of London, but also the co-creator of the show, Matthew Flannery, and its stunt coordinator, Jude Poyer, not to mention, of course, the incredible cast that helps to bring all of it together. It's a really great achievement. So that would be my recommendation if you can go and check out Gangs of London. Remember, you can, of course, go back and listen to the previous episodes of the show, including interviews with Gareth and Jude Poyer. You can check out those episodes via our website, kungfumovieguide.com, and wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Okay, let's set up today's episode. My special guests are Sarah Chang and Vincent Soberano. Sarah is an American-born Wushu champion who represented the USA national Wushu team for many years. She worked out in China as an actor, a stunt performer and a fight choreographer, where her credits include work in films like The Monkey King and also Wolf Warrior 2, where she doubled Selena Jade. And it was in China where she first met Vincent. Vincent is, of course, a veteran of the martial arts scene, having competed as a professional fighter for many years uh, and also running Muay Thai and MMA gyms in Beijing and Shanghai. The two first met at the Jackie Chan Stuntman Training Center in Tianjin. If you haven't seen pictures or know what the Jackie Chan Stuntman Training Center looks like, then definitely go online, Google that and check out what an amazing facility they've got out there in Tianjin. Vincent did actually help to design that training center and we do go into a bit of detail about getting that off the ground in this conversation. The two have since relocated to the Philippines where they are working on their own special brand of Filipino action films. They've set up their own production company there, they've started a family and they are producing a string of feature films. These include martial arts titles like The Trigonal, in 2018 and the horror action film Blood Hunters Rise of the Hybrids which is out now on digital platforms courtesy of Dark Coast. Blood Hunters has had quite a journey over the years to get to this stage. It was actually Sarah's very first lead role when she first got to Manila which was quite a few years ago now so Anyway, it is always the nature of these things. Things do take a while to get released internationally. And the feature film version now of Blood Hunters is available to watch internationally via Amazon, Vimeo On Demand, Flix Fling, Voodoo and Fandango. So if you have any of those streaming services, go and check out Blood Hunters. They've got a new movie together, which they've worked on called Circle of Bones. It's another supernatural horror title, and the release of which is now on hold, what with the current situation. But they are hoping for a release of Circle of Bones sometime towards the end of this year, if not 2021. Vincent and Sarah are both strong advocates of showing authentic martial arts on screen and uh, anyone who has seen their work together either in the Trigonal or Bloodhunters can attest to this. Both of those films do contain quite a lot of extended bouts of uh, great fight choreography which particularly showcases the distinct Filipino martial arts styles and they're good fun too so do go and check those titles out if you haven't already. Look this was great to be able to 
get hold of both Sarah and Vincent at the same time for this conversation. They've both got huge plans for further films that they're making in the Philippines and I, for one, can't wait to see what they both come up with next, either together or individually. So I will be back at the end, as always, with a little bit more talking. But until then, let me throw over now to my conversation with the great action filmmakers Sarah Chang and Vincent Soberano. What's Manila like at the moment? Um, yeah, basically right now it's really strict lockdown. So we basically are just in the house. And if we need to go out for groceries, <laughs> only one person per household can leave to get groceries. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just such a surreal thing to be going through, isn't it? It is. It really is. How are you coping What with, because I know you've got a little baby, haven't you? Yeah, well, that's, that helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Helps a lot. Not, uh, not, not getting, we're, not, we're not getting cabin fever just because we have so much fun with the baby. Yeah. 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 I guess it's it's probably quite good in a way. You can spend, you know, quality time with the kid. Yeah, totally. Because if um if we didn't go into lockdown, by now we would be uh, we would be in full production of another movie that we're working on. Yeah. We would definitely not see a lot of the baby. <laughs> so Yeah. And are you still finding time to train and work out? Uh not so much train. Because um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying whatever spare time I have, I try to spend like working on my scripts. I thought yeah. I figured that this might be a good time for me to clean up a lot of my other scripts. I have a bunch of other like films that's in uh, that uh, that either being pitched or or in development. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I want to just focus on catching up on on on, the, on script writing. How do you cope when you've got to take downtime? Some people cope better than others, I guess. But I mean, are you, you're just trying to keep busy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a nine to five job. So so we can be really busy filming for about three months and then suddenly, boom, we have nothing to do for another month, two months or something like that. Or more. Yeah. So, so we're used to those. We're used to the cycles. And every time we have a downtime, you stay productive by, say, by, by writing scripts, finishing scripts, pitching, pitching new projects to the different you know, studios, different networks, or, or work on marketing on our current films that's being released. We should talk about that because Bloodhunters has just come out now on digital. It started as a sort of short film first, yeah. didn't it? It started as an idea back in 2015. I was right. Uh, I was drawing this, making these comic books, and I thought, you know, it would be great if I can turn this into a, to a film. So I had just finished a, a documentary film for, for National Geographic at that time. So I had some downtime. So I went out and started pitching my comic book, trying to get, you know, financing for it. Um, couldn't get any, and then decided that I'm going to make. I'm, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot a pitch film. You know, trying to get funding for my, you know, for for my idea. I ended up having a a, a short film in my hand, a viable short film that I figured now my my, my so put it in film festivals. It it won a bunch of awards, and um, and that's how I, uh, that's how I got noticed. Then I uh, I was able to get funding down the line because because the short film had demonstrated 
itself in the, in, in the international film festivals. 2016, I, I, I shot the short film, and then I got funding to, uh, by towards the end of 2016, and by 2017, we, we went into uh, full production for, for the movie. We actually were really ambitious with it. We ran out of funds, we ran out of money, so I, oh really? Yeah, I had to go raise more money again, and um, that's why it took a long time to release the movie because we yeah, went through yeah. so many different iterations, and you know, we had to do so much more extra work than what we did initially in 2017. And then I had a bunch of other films that followed after that, like the Trigonal. So Blood Hunters took sort of a backstage for a little while, and we focused on the the, the other films that had more bigger budgets that had more. Uh, they were being aggressively marketed by the producers, so I did that, and then, um, and then, around 2018, I went back to towards late 2018. I went back to finishing um, Bloodhunters. They were called Aswang, menacing, bloodthirsty beasts. But there were also those who were not afraid. We call them Blood Hunters. And Sarah, we should mention this is quite a different role for you, particularly compared to the, the Trigonal, which was quite a comedic role. A lot of action in this for you. What was this experience like working on, on this production? Um, I didn't know what to expect, actually, to go into it because... Um, it was the first time that I got to the Philippines. But once I got here, we just started training like all different types of Filipino martial arts. Um, I learned um, all almost all the different styles. So Illustrissimo, Petita Tertia, just different hand and knife um, styles. And we just started training right away. There was a lot of focus on the action because all of the choreography was quite intricate. You're a wushu practitioner. That's your background, isn't it? So yeah. it's quite, quite quite different from the, the Filipino martial arts. Yes, yes. So we sort of did. Um, it was really fun because I got to learn and I got to train with some of the grandmasters of the Philippines. And then um, I used their styles and I mixed it with my style. And then we we had a lot of fun, like chore um, choreographing the fight scenes and trying to make them as authentic as possible while adding in the Gabriella's, you know, wushu background. So it was really yeah. really cool. You're making what is essentially a sort of supernatural film, and the tendency would be to go really over the top and outlandish with with the action but you know the final third of blood hunters is like a realistic style yeah. of fight choreography yeah um i just wondered that's obviously was a conscious thing to take that approach yes i think that um what it really was was that this film um as um vince wanted was to really showcase filipino martial arts and it's been used um in Hollywood so much, but it's like very rarely done by an actual Filipino person. <laughs> and yeah. um, I think it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's kind of to showcase what Filipino martial arts really is and how, you know, like it's more about the techniques and the accuracy and trying to really showcase um, the real movements um, rather than, you know, going for the whole supernatural feel. 
Are you both quite big horror fans? Do you enjoy that uh, genre of film? Well, I'm not really a big horror fan per se, but I'm, yeah. I'm a really big fan of, of Blade, of the Blade, you know, movies. Yeah. And, Great uh, film. Yeah. And uh, I remember that my inspiration for the movie was actually Blade. Um, yeah. I remember seeing Blade for the first time and I thought, well, hey, you know, in the Philippines, we've got this vampire like creatures called Aswang. And um, no one's really known about them, but they, they are pretty much the same as as the Western, you know, vampires. Yeah. And I figure, you know, I can do an Aswang movie with sort of blade-like characters. So that that's really where I had uh, the, the inspiration for that. Now, I'm not really, per se, a big fan of horror films, um, although my, my, my last film that, that, that I finished was actually a horror film. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Is this uh, Circle of Bones? Circle Is that? Bones. Yeah, Circle oh, of yeah. Bones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Bloodhunters, he was more of a fantasy, sort of like vampirish, bladeish kind of movie. Is this quite a strange time then, I guess, to be talking about this movie now, particularly Sarah, if this this was your first sort of role when you came out to the Philippines? I mean, it, you know, we're in 2020 now and, yeah. you know, it's been a it's been a few years, <laughs> hasn't it? So uh, yeah. and you've made quite a few movies in between this time, haven't you? Yes, yes, it is. Um, it is a bit. Um, it is a bit odd to be talking about this film now, especially yeah. because it was my first feature-length acting role as well, um, which is like a lot of pressure. <laughs> Just being able to carry like an entire movie is like extreme, <laughs> extreme responsibility when you've never done it before. And yeah. I feel like I learned a lot um, through the several films that I've done in between. So looking back, I'm just kind of, obviously I'll be critiquing myself <laughs> in the movie. So. But when you look back at the film, I mean, you, you must be quite pleased. You know, it's, it is, I think the word ambitious is, is the right word for it, isn't it? You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to take on here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It was a lot to take on. We re- worked really hard on it, especially the choreography. It came out well, I think. <laughs> This seems to be quite a, a good time for Filipino martial arts films. A couple of years ago, we had By Bust, Eric Matty. That was a great film. Maria with mm. Pedring uh, A. Lopez. What is it about the martial arts of the Philippines that is so cinematic, do you think? I think it's that it's always been in the films and it's always been cinematic, actually. It's just been used for many years people just didn't know it was filipino martial arts yeah i think audiences are more um they have a thirst to know like where things come from and they really care about accuracy now and i think or mm. um they didn't really care that much about that but now you know with the internet and with um you know so much information you know a lot of people really care about um, what exactly are they doing? Is that is that realistic? People want local content. People want things that are like real. You know, we want to deliver exactly that. You must enjoy working in the Philippines at the moment during this time. There, there does seem to be quite a wealth of great action films being made. Is that your experience working out there? Oh yes. Um, well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes and no. <laughs> I feel like yeah. <laughs> um, we. I mean, of course. Vincent um, is usually doing action and uh, action films, but a lot of the mainstream 
um, movies here. A lot of them are still rom-coms. Um, yeah. It's more like uh, now these action films are just starting to be heard, really, and that's just starting to be seen. And so it's still it's still up and coming, and it's still actually an uphill battle to you know make action more mainstream here. Yeah, basically, if you release an action movie in the Philippines theatrically, unless it's a Hollywood movie like a Marvel movie or something like that, you, you release a, an action film theatrically, it's gonna flop. It doesn't matter how good it is, you know. Uh, really? Oh yeah, yeah. A uh, buy bust. You know, yeah, did my bus not do? I mean, you know, it, it got pretty decent reviews. It was picked up by Net- Netflix here, so um, yeah, and, yeah, and Maria but, was as well. So it, yeah, but in Philippine theaters, it, you know, it lost money. So did, yeah, so, so, did, so did Maria. You know, mm. So did Trigonal. But those three movies did well on on platforms, you know, internationally. The cinema goers here are predominantly female. Like millennials, and and, um, and they prefer to watch rom coms. Uh, mo- most of the male oriented audience, um, they're not. They don't really go to watch movies. They would rather, you know, um, watch movies on a secondary platform like like you know Netflix or. Uh, YouTube or Vimeo or something or Amazon or something like that. Does that then have an impact then, I guess, when you're shipping your ideas around to investors just uh, around the region there? I mean, do you, is there a bit of pushback because of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, in the beginning, yeah. when I first started, like, trying to sell Blood Hunters, the concept and all that stuff, you know, looking for a theatrical release, even with Trigonal, I was Quite naive, you know. A lot of uh, a lot of producers told me, a lot of lo- local producers told me that it's never going to work. We even talked to a, a distributor, one of the original distributors of uh, of the Trigonal, and they told us that you know that it's better off we don't release the movie in the Philippines. We just release it abroad because it's not it's not going to make any money in the Philippines. We're going to lose money, and we kind of like like. No way, we can do this. We can do this. Kinda, you know, we had that attitude. Like, you know, the movie's good. It'll, 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 yeah, it'll do it is. It is a good movie. So, you know, so we we forged ahead, you know, and um, and released it in the Philippines, and we basically, you know, had a, you know, had a head-on collision with reality, so to speak, and and um, and lost money in the theatrical release. So. Um, and I see a lot of action films in the Philippines do the same thing. If I'm going to do a theatrical release type of movie, um, I would have to go with either horror or or, or rom-com, both mm. of which I'm not very keen on doing. I don't have the, the timing or the technique to make a good rom-com, you know, so no. I don't have that. I mean, probably if I put my, my mind into it and I – it started doing some like you know, working and working behind the scenes and working my way up and and start working more rom com type of projects. Eventually, I learn right, but you can, mm. it's not something you just jump into and, and and become successful right away. So people like Anne Curtis, I know Christine Reese, then they're, they're not really action stars, are they? I mean, they come from a very different world. Yeah, you do yeah. see that quite a bit, don't you? I guess in the Philippines, casting people who you don't have action backgrounds in action movies. Yeah, but what what the um, what a lot of directors and producers here. Uh, do when they're trying to make an action movie in in the in the past like few years 
so they, they think, okay, action doesn't sell in the Philippines, but if you put a name brand, if you put like a name actress in there, you know, maybe yeah. it will sell, like Christine Reyes or, you know, or whatnot. So, but it still doesn't sell because the yeah. audience would rather see Christine Reyes in a, in a romantic movie rather than blood soaked and shooting people's, you know, heads off basically. So yeah, I know the limitations, in, you know, and obviously I don't want to lose my producer's money by, by forging into, into a theatrical market that is not receptive to action films. So what I've been doing is um, all, all the projects I, I have now, um, I've actually pitched them to the, to the, the online platforms, sort of like the yeah. Netflix, you know, the, um, the, the different like online digital platforms of, uh, in the Philippines and also abroad. And I take a two, um, sort of a, a two-pronged approach. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, make a, I'll, make a, I'll write a script or pitch a movie that I know um, will do well in the digital platform in the Philippines and will also do well abroad. Both the Trigonal and Bloodhunters predominantly in the English language. I, I guess that is a, that's as much a commercial decision that, that you've made, is it, Vincent? Yeah, it is. It is, and it's sort of like a bad decision, I guess, you know, looking back. <laughs> yeah, I feel that, you know, that uh, I was a little bit naive thinking because I didn't know the market at that time. I didn't know the market was changing. So mm. let's put it this way. If I had made Trigono, uh, for or even Bloodhunters into, uh, into a Tagalog or Filipino language film with maybe just a few English dialogue, whatever, um, I still would have been able to sell it abroad and, and yeah. with subtitles and stuff like that because the foreign market now um, is very open. They're, in fact, they, they, ask for, they ask for it. Now, they're looking for what, what they call hyper-local hyperlocal movies. We actually didn't know about the word the term hyperlocal until we actually had a meeting with a with a with a head of uh, of a platform called iFlix. And we we were pitching Blood Hunters at that time as a TV series. And you know he saw the he saw the movie and he goes, "Oh, I really like the movie, but it's in English." And I'm like, "Well, isn't that, you know, I mean it's for the international market." So, you know, English is the uh, international language and he goes well yes but no because you know now people viewers now especially in digital platforms they want to see hyper local movies they mm, see movies that's interesting yeah in, in, in its native language that's why like you, if you look at netflix there's a lot of like spanish movies a lot of chinese movies or taiwanese movies that yeah. you know they're all in native language and they're all subtitled and yeah. netflix has the option to dub them you know, but you know they can they can always double. Chu Chen Kuang, the king treated you well. Why do you betray him? What do you want? Sarah, we should say you're American. You, you're born born in America, yeah. but you have worked. You've worked all over uh, China as well. So mm-hmm. uh, you do have experience in different industries around the world. Uh, how how are you finding it out there? I love it here. <laughs> yeah. It's just for people in Philippines, they're, uh, they're just so happy. Like, yeah. it, I mean, it's just their, their mindset. No matter what, they're, they're just happy. You know, like on yeah. the set, it's always like I feel like we're having a party. And, then, <laughs> you know, instead of like we're doing the film, but it's always fun. Like no matter what, it's always fun to be filming there. 
And I also find I, I sort of have a niche here because, you know, because there's um, less action movies, you know, there's not as many girls who can do action. That's the thing with, you know, an Anne Curtis, Kristen Rears. They don't come from that background, but you, you well and truly do. I mean, you started you started Wushu when you were a, just a kid. Is that is that right? Yes, when I was seven. You sort of reluctantly started it. Is that is that right? Your dad sort of pushed you into it? That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think he just watched a lot of those Wuxia movies. And uh, yeah. he's like, ah, my daughters can do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he sent us to uh, this uh, Wuxia school in Virginia. Um, the coach is actually from the Beijing Wuxia team. Uh, the same generation as Jet Li. She has a school in Virginia, and that's where that's where we went. I guess we were talented or something. So they um, asked us to come to like training every Saturday for like the quote unquote the A team. So we would train three times a week, uh, four times a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Saturday it was like the A team training, and then. Basically, we would be trained for like competition, and then soon we tried out for like the U.S. team. And uh, yeah, I was on the U.S. team for ten years. Yeah, you were U.S. national wushu champion. Yes, yes. Amazing. I mean, we get to see a bit of your wushu in the trigonals, so uh, that's that's really really good to see. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And was your ambition, Sarah, to always go into movies? I know that you you actually studied drama in China, didn't you? I did. Um, I studied yeah. the Central Academy of Drama, um, and that was only in 2015. It wasn't my intention, you know, to you know go into movies. Um, it was in the back of my head just because everyone would tell me I could be an action star because I could do wushu. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it wasn't something like, oh, I'm going to be an action star. It was more like I kind of fell into it. Um, mm. I was introduced to the film industry by a friend of mine. Um, he's an action director, and he just asked me to help him out on the set because of my wushu background. And then that's when I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, and then from then on, I joined an action team in Taiwan, and then you know one thing led to another. You have been to uh, Tianjin, and and you've trained at the the Jackie Chan stunt team training center, that big mm-hmm. um, complex thing that he has over there. Yes. What was that experience like? That must have been amazing. Uh, amazing. 
yeah. mean, um, actually, the first time that I went there was the first time that I met Vince. <laughs> um, right, yes. I was going to ask, how, how did you two meet? Well, um, so I have a friend, Kevin Lee. He brought me um, with him to the Jackie Chan Training Center. They had an audition for this um, Russian movie. And uh, yeah. I knew that the Wolf War II um, team was going to be there as well. So I tagged along. Vince was there already because he's um, he's actually one of the people who helped design their facility. That's when we first met. And uh, I, I was in there, you know, wearing a Captain America, um, Captain America shirt because I knew that the um, action director for Wolf War Two is Sam Hargrave. It was Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had to be noticed. But you, you, <laughs> you went and uh, you doubled Selena Jade in in Wolf War Two. Is that is that right? That's that's correct. That must have been quite a, an interesting film to work on. Oh, it was amazing. It was an amazing yeah. experience. I mean, I was, you know, I got to, um, you know, meet Wu Jing. I guess I'd say for the second time because I met him when I was 14, uh, training at the Beijing, uh, you know, yeah. Beijing, they call it Shishahai. That's where the Beijing Wushu team trains. So I met him once, I mean, and he was like just shooting movies, but he had like one break day and he came and like, said hi to us you know foreigners training (laughs) (laughs) it was really cool to have him um like sort of as a mentor on the the set and you did work on a jackie chan film as well i believe uh, bleeding steel yes i worked on bleeding steel uh just for a short um period it was actually in taiwan it's kind of odd because i was already living in beijing at the time but i just happened to be back in taiwan they needed someone on the set, so I got to go um, and work on work on Bleeding Steel, specifically in like this cafeteria scene. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So that was that was really cool. You're a big Jackie Chan fan. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I'd like to say I'd like to go for the female Jackie Chan route. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as you see in like the trigonal, that's like. One of my favorite characters to play, you know, a yeah, you, comical. It's a lot of fun in that film. Out there, yeah, it's I. I just, you know, feel like I can let loose more, and I get to do weird stuff and not get yelled at. Who <laughs> <Yeah>. are <laughs> you? A man not scared of death, right? Well, we'll see. Kill. <laughs> And Vincent, you were teaching MMA in China. You were doing that for quite a while, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually one of the pioneers of MMA in China. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I was during that time, 2005, when I first came to China. I was like working both in the film industry and teaching martial arts at the same time. Um, martial arts kind of took front seat for a little while because I was, you know, my my school was doing really, really well, and I, you know, and I spent more time and I wanted to compete more. So I was, uh, I kind of put, I kind of put film work in, you know, in the back burner for, for a few years because I focused more on my fighting and competition and, uh, and yeah. also on like building up my, my several schools in China. And yeah. in 2013, I, uh, well, actually 2012, we shot it in 2012. Uh, I got a role in Jackie Chan's movie 
called uh, Police Story to uh, Lockdown. Yeah. yeah, Lockdown. Yeah. It's quite an apt uh, title for what we're living through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, after um, when we were filming the movie, the um, action director, he was pretty impressed with the, the stuff. that I was, I was doing a lot of the MMA and Muay Thai fight scenes. Um, in, the, in, the, in the movie and I was also helping a lot of the other actors and even like the action choreographers I was helping them with the you know refining the moves and all that stuff so so the action director uh, for that movie uh, uh, Ha-Jun um, is like uh, Jackie Chan's like one, one of his right hand men he, yeah. came, he approached me while we were filming and he said look um, after we finish shooting I'd like to do some projects with you you know let's get together so, you know, make a long story short, we ended up becoming friends, doing a few little projects together. And then he, uh, like a year later, he came up to me and broached the idea of uh, uh, building the world's biggest stunt, stunt team training center. <clears throat> and yeah. it wasn't Jackie Chan that built that center. It was Hajun that did that. And he just basically got the blessing from Jackie Chan to use the name, use the team, that sort of thing. But he was the one that actually like that, that, that's his that's that's his all his work, and um, yeah. So he came to me and says, "I'm building this you know this mega center, and we went to, we went to see it. It's like humongous. This gym mm-hmm. alone was about three thousand four hundred square meters. the the entire the entire the the entire property that they were going to build the training center on was about thirty four thousand square meters." Um, and um, so it was basically like a small town that they had, yeah. you know, they basically bought like a small town and moved everyone out. And um, <clears throat> and then he said, okay, this is, you know, so we went into the main building. It's about 3,400 square meters. And he goes, I want, I want to build like a really kick-ass like training facility. I don't want to just teach, um, you know, just uh, stunt, stunt training. I want to teach like realistic martial arts in here. So I says, can you help me build something where we can teach like choreography and also realistic martial arts? So we did that. We uh, helped them design it, helped them get all the uh, right equipment and all that stuff. And then we fi- finally got the place up and going, up and running. And then I started going there like once a week to teach to teach them MMA and yes. also like you know, work with a work with a stunt team and hopefully like pick up some you know some work from time to time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I mean that that is the sort of go-to place in China now for stunt performers <clears throat> if they want to not just train on their martial arts but I mean, you know, there's wire skills there you can learn and there's gymnastics and there's all sorts of uh different disciplines that people can can learn there. It's been it's been quite a success, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's uh pretty much yeah, it's it's got its momentum now. The first the first few years the place was like dead. Yeah. It's it's really far. It's it's really far. yeah. Sarah, how far is it from Beijing? Um, well, it's really only like uh, isn't it like only forty minutes? No, no, it's like oh, maybe like an hour and a half. Yeah, like almost two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're from Beijing, and that's like going on 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 this interstate, you know, flying, you know, several miles per hour, several hundred mm. miles per hour. <clears throat> but <clears throat> but yeah, it's a. Uh, for a while, it was it, it had a very slow start because it was really yeah. far away, and they didn't do any marketing. They they no one knew about it. The only people that knew about it are people in the action film industry. That facility in, in the first like two or three years was mainly for the Jackie Chan stunt team. 
Mm. It's a place where they train. They have dormitories. It's a place where they... they yeah, they live, they stay they, there as well, don't they? They stay there, yeah, and they train there. So it's like a training ground for them. But yeah. Arjun's idea ultimately was to t- turn it into a world-class training center where they have different programs and different, you know, different people coming in and paying for classes and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so it slowly started to gain momentum or people would come in for some training, you know, for training programs, but it's still not a full-time school. You know, it's like sometimes they will host some workshops, some seminars, something like that, but that's kind of far in between, you know, that's, yeah. you know, for every, every few months or so. You own MMA gyms in Beijing and Shanghai, I believe. Yes. When you look at where MMA is now, just globally as well as in China, could you have anticipated that? Well, that was what I was there for. That was what yeah. I wanted to do. I wanted to bring up MMA in China to where it's going to become widely accepted, number one, and it's going to become also like globally accepted in, in yeah. uh, for, for Chinese fighters, you know, fighting globally was going to, going to be accepted. And the only way to do that is to get Chinese fighters to the level where they can fight in the UFC, you know. Yeah. And so that was my goal. And, of course, in the very beginning, you know, a lot of people came to me and, and told me that that's not going to happen because, number one, the Chinese government does not recognize MMA. They feel, you know, it's too, too violent, whatnot, everything, you know, here and there. But I'm thinking, you know what? If I can produce a Yao Ming of MMA, yeah. the market will open up, and you know, and the the, the government they, they will they will loosen up their restrictions if they knew that there was money to be made. Because at the end of the day, the government makes a piece a piece of every media out there in China. So yeah. you know, so if they if they can see that it can be used as a propaganda for the Chinese, and you know, and also. Um, you know, a money-making tool, you know, uh, a project, they'd go for it. But yeah. in order for MMA to be to get become mainstream as a sport in China and to be actually sanctioned by the Chinese Sports Commission, um, you know, I would I would need to produce some some world-class fighters. Mm. And so it was it was a very long road. I mean, it wasn't until 2010 that you know that. My my team basically, you know, me and my team, we produced a UFC fighter, a Chinese UFC fighter, who actually won and had a string of wins and became sort of like the legend of uh, MMA in China. And from that yeah. point on, I have a bunch of other students, including the the reigning world cha- uh, female world champion right now, John Wei Li. Um, so you know, now China is huge, huge on on, on MMA. In fact, yeah. the UFC built their uh, the, the the second and the biggest uh, performance institute for the uh, UFC. They built in um, in in Shanghai. Oh. He destroyed our clan. He's so cruel. He killed all my friends. I had to kill him. You had studied film in America, and you'd worked in America as well in TV and production studios there. And then you were obviously working in China as well. I mean, what sort of inspired the move to, to, to move to the Philippines? Well, back in 2005, when I first came to China, I had thought about creating this bridge between Chinese and Philippines in terms of film. My idea back then was to make like, uh, like movies in the Philippines that I can sell in China. Uh, mm. Vice versa, too. You know, maybe hopefully 
make some Chinese movies that can sell in the Philippines, something like that. It wasn't until, uh, I guess, 2015 that I decided to take the leap of faith. I didn't have uh, any connections in the Philippines. Um, in 2015, I, uh, um, I, I, I shot a documentary for National Geographic. Um, yeah. I shot it here in the Philippines. So I had to assemble a Filipino production team. I told like the 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 director of photography, um, uh, Takiyake Onishi, is a Japanese uh, fil- um, uh, cinematographer, yeah. um, but he's living in the Philippines. So I told him what, that I wanted to do a feature film, and I had all these ideas. We talked a lot, and he said, "Just go, go, just do it." You know, just it, it, it's right. The Philippines needs, you know, needs to to do something like that. And then I have a good friend, Monsur, uh, Monsur de la Rosario, who's like a, a legendary action star, like ni- 90s, like martial arts actor yeah. in the Philippines. Yeah, he's worked with you a few times now, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, we've done like a couple of movies to, together. He actually encouraged me to do this. He said, he said bro, we need, we need martial arts. We need a mar- Filipino martial arts movie. We need to promote action films in the Philippines. We need to promote the Filipino macho again because all the movies here are rom-com, and yeah. so we were like talking about that. It's like, yeah, let's make it, let's make a movie together. When I put together a team to do Blood Hunters, um, that's when it all started. So yeah. basically, coming yeah. back to the Philippines to make Filipino movies for for the international market, that's actually that's long been that's long been a dream for me. It's always yeah. been a dream to do that. Even when I was still back in the states, I've always thought about like you know one day I'm going to make a Filipino movie that. Is gonna, is gonna sell internationally. You moved to the Philippines together. Then you were you were a, an item by that point. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. we were still living in Beijing, and then sure. but, uh, around uh, around the time we did Blood Hunters, we became an item. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then after Blood Hunters, we were still living in Beijing. Um, we both made the decision because then we we start picking up projects. We not just sure. not just Trigonal, but we also picked up like three other projects that's all shot in the Philippines. So we made that decision that, look, you know, we're probably going to get a lot more than this over the next several years. So let's just go ahead and base ourselves in the Philippines for a while and see how this pans out. We ended up, you know, uh, after, after a year of project after project, you know, and um, we, we saw the landscape, we saw the, the, the economy was, was really, really like booming here in the Philippines you know, and um, the film industry is booming and it's making a comeback right now in the Philippines. Mm. Um, mm. So we found the opportunity and we decided, you know what, let's just go ahead and, you know, and base our company here. So, you know, we built up our company here and we bought a house, bought property, whatever, and decided, you know, we're going to stay. That was good. You guys get on pretty well when you're, when you're working? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. That's I think that's one of the reasons like we both like ended up getting married and everything, you know, because we proved over the the first year that we were together, we worked in so many projects. It was like our first year was probably equivalent to mo- many couples like five years. You know, yeah. it was such <laughs> it was quite an intense period. Oh, it was so yeah. intense. Our first year together, 2017, we did we did uh, Blood Hunters. We did Trigonal, we did The Revenger Squad, we did Wonder Becky, we did We Are War. 
five projects. And last oh, night. And then, uh, oh, uh, and last night we did six projects. That's that's just stuff that me and Sarah worked together. And Sarah wow. also did a movie in in China. The excellent yeah. doctor. Yeah, she did a movie yeah. in that year as well. So I mean, it was super super intense. And we and and five of these movies we both worked together. Now, if, if Sarah, if, if she's not, if she's not um, an actress, she's working as a, as a, uh, you know, as an action director. If she's not an action director, she's working as a line producer, you know. But she's always involved in all the films I've been working in. So, so we have a really close, like, you know, actually stressful like work relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I think if we, that that like really proved to us that you know that we can actually. You know, we can be a real couple. Do you like being directed by by Vince, Sarah? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. He's just he's actually a really chill director, so he kind of yeah. lets you do what you want. Um, and then it's only if you're going the wrong direction or completely away from, you know, <clears throat> what he's really envisioned that he'll tell you, you know, to, you know, change it up or whatever. But. Yeah. But he's very, yeah, he's really, uh, he really respects the actors and lets them, you know, have their own take and um, decide on the direction, you know, like as approved by him. But it's, 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 yeah, it's really good. You do work as an, as a fight choreographer, action director as well. That must be good to trade ideas off, off each other and bring your own martial arts approach to, to these films as well. Yeah, I think that's actually why I think we got together in the first place because yeah. on, on Blood Hunters, during rehearsals, it was insane because I would go up to the coordinator and i say, hey, you know, I was thinking I want to do something like this, you know. Um, you know, I would say something, I'd walk away, Vince would come back to the same coordinator and tell him the exact same thing. We're just so yeah. aligned. And like, it's even funny. I don't even know if you would notice, but in, um, in the last fight scene, there's the final fight scene. We actually kind of choreographed, not knowing, um, some moves that really make it like, go together because it's like a cutaway between the two fight scenes but some of the moves it's just like it it, it has like the same arc almost yeah. like we completely choreographed them separately you know what i mean like you know he had his own ideas with um you know mikhail i had my own ideas with temujin but then it <laughs> it just matched up it was like totally weird like there was a lot of yeah. kind of situations you know and so it was just natural like for us to be together because our communication and it's it's like we, we don't have to really communicate as much, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have a have a shorthand there. But I'm interested, do you guys, you must talk about, you know, scripts and new projects all the time. I mean, do you uh, are you are you guys constantly, you know, working together and coming up with new new ideas? Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. But I think uh, mostly Vince, Vince is really the creative, you know, brains behind everything, all the stories and everything. That's, that's all him. I'm more like the one who will nitpick at his stories, <laughs> but I'm yeah. not the one who actually comes up with anything. I'm more like, um, oh yeah, that sounds good. And then maybe I'll add something to it. Something more like that. Yeah. Vince, you don't mind the, the nitpicking then? <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. You know, I'm actually, yeah. as a director, I'm, I'm pretty democratic. 
You know, yeah. I, I, I like to listen to other people's ideas. And I, I know, I know if I, if I, whether to toss an idea out the window or not and yeah. I can do it nicely. But I also know that, that most of the time people do, people do have a point. You know, they, they, most of the time there's a valid, there's a valid point to everything. And I can use, even if the guy comes up with five ideas and I can use only one of them, that's still one more than I have already, you know, so, you know, so I'm I'm always pretty open. Yeah. So you're not one of these directors then that sits in the high chair and you're sort of barking orders and, you know, it's, you're not one of those directors. You are quite open, quite collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. Definitely. I'm not, uh, I'm not like a Johnny Moore or anything like that. No. (laughs) But would you, you must have, because you've worked on enough projects just individually, you must have worked with, you know, filmmakers who are, who are a bit like that and do, do take that approach. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I've worked with uh, directors who are just will not listen at all, you know. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's and it's pretty difficult. Do you guys obviously you what you watch a lot of movies? I'm I'm guessing you you still get inspired by things that you watch. I guess that question's aimed at, at both of you, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we do. We actually both watch a lot of movies just to uh, yeah. just to get ideas. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes. Not just uh, not just an idea in terms of how they did the fight scene or whatever. Sometimes for me, I even watch them just to get uh, a story idea. You know, I see a movie yeah. and the story goes like this. I'm like, hmm, you know, that I have an idea that's you know, oh, that that's great. I can I can make something similar to that. You know, without 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 plagiarizing. You know, but yeah, I believe that you know that there's no more new ideas out there. Everything yeah. has already been done. You know, so. Yeah. You know, so I might as well be honest with myself and, and and get inspiration from other people's work. And Sarah, that that goes for you as well. And is there are there sort of action stars or, or actors that you really look up to? Um, for me, I'm always looking at all the female-led action stories. Yeah. You know, so it's always inspiring to see movies like Atomic Blonde and uh, yep. Wonder Woman. I'm also like just a little girl at heart that's always inspired by other like strong women. So I'm always watching yeah. for that. Well, I'm afraid you've no choice. How about you dead? Is there a dream project that you guys, you know, have been kicking around for a while and you think, yeah, you know, this, you know, one day this is this is the, the dream, the dream role, the dream project that, that you'd like to do? We have several. <laughs> yeah, we have several. Um, I'm not sure which ones I can say. Yeah. But, OK. But with that being said, uh, maybe we'll make it easy and say I would love to do um, a Blood Hunters too. That would be great. Crazy. I would love to do a Bloodhunters too. Well, I, actually, we're we're actually creating a pitch for for a, a Bloodhunters web series. I mean, that's the thing with Bloodhunters is that there's quite a lot of depth to the story there, and you could definitely see so many you know those characters, yeah, yeah, reoccurring or having their own subplots, and yeah, there's a there's a lot you could do with yeah. with that subject. Actually, originally, my first idea with Bloodhunters was to create. Uh, like a Netflix series, yeah. you know, I yeah. pitch it as a Netflix series or an Amazon series, whatever, you know. But those my original um, plan. That's why that's why there's so much depth in the characters and there's yeah. so much background. And 
it's just not enough. Uh, it's not a, one one movie. Even if that movie was ninety minutes, it wouldn't be enough to yeah. to expose all the all the backstories. Rise of the Hybrids, in a lot of ways, is not really a complete movie. It's really yeah. a teaser that I, hopefully I can I can pitch for for sequels or or an episodic series and still showing off the the wealth of uh, Filipino martial arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, sure. yeah. And, and Filipino uh, folklore. There's a, yeah. a bunch of other like Filipino creatures that you know I can introduce in in the sequel or in the series. Well, listen, best of luck with with that when everything sort of picks up and do take care during this uh, pretty weird time yeah, <laughs> that yeah, we're living yeah, through. Yeah, you too, you, you too. too. Thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Okay, sure. Great, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Great stuff there. Great to hear from both Sarah and Vincent. Blood Hunters Rise of the Hybrids is available now to stream on Amazon, Vimeo On Demand, Flixfling, Voodoo and Fandango, courtesy of Dark Coast Entertainment. Read more about that film on Facebook. It's under the name Blood Hunters the Movie. You can also check out The Trigonal if you haven't seen that movie already. I know that there's a DVD out there somewhere of The Trigonal. Reviews of both The Trigonal and Blood Hunters can now be found on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. So head over there if you want to find out what we thought of those movies. You can find out more about their next project, Circle of Bones. We mentioned it a little bit there in that conversation. The release of Circle of Bones is still a little bit up in the air, but they are expecting it to land around late 2020 or 2021. Find out more about that film, again, via Facebook. Search under the name at COB Movie. Okay, a few more plugs here. If you do want to find out more information on Sarah Chang, you can follow her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and via her website, starringsarahchang.com. And for the latest Vincent Soberano news, go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And Vincent's website is simply vincentsoberano.com. All of these links can be found in the description of this episode. And I will also put the links on this episode's page on our website. So do be sure to check out those links for more information. Okay, a huge thank you to Sarah and Vincent for taking the time to talk to me and a huge thank you of course to you the loyal food follower who's made it right to the end of this episode of the show thank you so much for listening i got a message actually that i was going to talk a little bit about i got a message from someone asking about the music on this podcast and i don't think i've ever actually said where the music comes from for this podcast and which is strange really because we've been doing the show for about four years now (laughs) something like that anyway all of the music that you hear including this track that's playing in the background all of this music is royalty free music which i have paid for from the website audio jungle so uh, that's where i get all of the music so that includes this theme but also all that intro music that you hear just before the interviews start so there you go now you know audio jungle and all the other little bits of incidental noises that you do hear 
in between all the chats all of that stuff is taken from just random clips really from uh, kung fu movies that i've found on youtube okay i hope that's helpful i did get a question about that so i thought i would go into a little bit more detail on that of course any questions any feedback any comments regarding the show please do email me the email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com all that remains for me to say is to wish you all the very best take care wherever you are in the world stay safe and most of all stay sane during these particularly weird and unprecedented times I will see you again in two weeks' time. Until then, all the very best to you, and until we meet again on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, take care, and bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.